Thank you for pressing play on episode 65 of A-Sides. I am Andy, and I recorded a special conversation with A.C. Slade, who's a guitar player and bass player for several bands that have toured the world, and now he owns his own independent coffee company called Catfight Coffee. You'll hear the story of how he created Catfight Coffee and his backstory in the music industry, which I think was a very cool conversation, and uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. I guess to start off, like, I don't really want to, I don't want it to come off like I'm kissing your butt, uh, uh-huh. but um, it's, it's like the honest to God truth. I want to say that you have the best like customer service out of any uh, company that I bought from. Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. That That's great to hear. What, what makes you say that? Well, it's because I ordered, um, a friend of mine had uh, posted about uh, the Alice Cooper coffee and I saw that post and I asked him about it and he goes, yeah, like uh, there was some like package with a shirt and a pin and then you get the coffee too. So I uh-huh. ordered that and then like I just thought that same day, I was like, hey, like maybe um, um, AC would want to talk about the coffee or Alice Cooper and all sorts of stuff. So I just kind of shot you a message, not really thinking much about it. And then you got back to me and you said you wanted to, but here's where the customer service plays into it. Cause, uh, after you had said, uh, that you would want to, uh, chat, I ordered another kind of coffee because, uh, the Cooper, it said it was on back order for like three weeks and I wanted to try to order something else in um, the meantime, because I wanted to try uh, something. And so like maybe I would try some of your kind of coffee before uh, we chatted. And uh-huh. then um, I just thought uh, that I was going to get the Cleopatra, but then a box like showed up and it had uh, the Cooper in there as well. And then it had all the, um, I guess, whatever wrapping that you have. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I guess it was two separate orders, but you put them in the same box and you shipped it all together. And I just feel like if it was some automated company, like you wouldn't have uh, maybe combined those orders. And and it had a card in there and it's like, hey, man, the shirt's coming later. So I guess well, I just you. thought that the coffee would come when the shirt came. No, no, we don't want anybody to have to wait. You know, it's... Uh... It, it it costs us more on the shipping, but, you know, it's you only get one chance at a first impression. And we're talking about coffee, man. We're talking about something that's that's uh, important for people's survival, <laughs> you know, so. See, so, so yeah, be... you make a good first impression there. And I already ordered some more, so I've got more coming, oh. I guess. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Uh, so when did you um, actually start um, drinking coffee? Uh, God's honest truth, I was probably like five. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My parents own their own business and um, we uh, they own their own business and they own two. Actually, they owned a a newspaper and they owned a uh, ambulance company. And our basement was where where they worked and uh, and and their employees and all day long, you know, they would be slugging down coffee with milk and sugar. And at the end of the day, I, I would like go and clean up every everybody's desks and there would be these mugs of cold coffee there. And uh, and I would slug one down. I was like, this tastes great. Till one day uh, I 
tasted something weird in my mouth and there was this weird texture and then I realized I accidentally uh, ingested a, a cigarette butt that somebody had used their cup of coffee as an ashtray. So uh, <laughs> oh, it didn't it didn't curb my desire for coffee, but it did curb me from ever wanting to smoke. So. <laughs> Damn. Um, I didn't know if you would just have picked up maybe coffee being on like tour or something like staying up late playing um, guitar. No, no. I mean, kind of, I've always been, been a coffee drinker. Um, you know, I got sober, uh, 22 years ago. And once you get sober, you know, you still have some, I guess it's like a creature habit thing. You know, it's like when you drink, you have the beer that you like, or the, the whiskey that you like or whatever. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden Starbucks became, you know, it's like, Oh, I got to drink Starbucks. It can't be Seven Eleven coffee, you know? And, uh, you know, that was 22 years ago when there weren't other independent, uh, coffee companies like there are now, like mine, you know, and Starbucks changed the game, you know, and it all of a sudden there's this place to hang out and, you know, the baristas were always cute tattooed girls and shit like that. And, um, so I just gravitated towards it naturally, but then, yeah, being on tour and, and one thing that I found, uh, you know, is that oftentimes where the independent coffee places are, that's usually where the used record stores are. That's where the, the, you know, cool clothing stores are, the vintage guitar shops, you know, uh, all, all the hub of culture for people like us, the tattoo shops, you know, they're always, um, there's always a coffee shop involved. So it came as much a way to find out where the cool part of town was as much as a good way to get a good cup of coffee. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. I guess I didn't really pick up on that. Cause like around here, we haven't had a lot of coffee shops like that, like popping up. Cause I'm out in the Midwest. Where are you at? Uh, Peoria, um, Illinois. Okay. I think it's only recently that we've had a bunch of coffee shops popping up here, and I've only been drinking coffee for like a year because I uh, uh, gave up uh, drinking soda. Okay. I think I just needed caffeine somehow. Good call. <laughs> uh, uh, so when did you uh, start uh, the Catfight Coffee? We started Catfight uh, a year ago. I had another coffee company for about two years before that. Um, and it didn't work out with, with my partners and, uh, I don't work with any other companies for coffee except for Catfight. So we started about a year ago. Um, you know, it was right at the kickoff of the pandemic. My wife and I had just gotten back from Asia and we kind of saw the wave that was coming. And, uh, you know, we started battening down the hatches and, and really being proactive with things like wearing masks and hand sanitizers and stuff like that. But, um, once it got to be like late February, March, uh, actually it was March. I could tell you exactly when it was March 8th or 9th. Uh, we decided that it was that part of me was like, you know, it might be insensitive to start a company right now when so many people are out of work. Um, and then I, I, I talked to a friend of mine and he's like, no dude, like what people need right now is they need familiarity. They need community. They need a sense of normalcy. They need a sense of routine. And coffee provides all those things, especially uh, the company that we have. You know, Catfight really provides community. I don't even care if you're a coffee drinker. If you have our sense of humor and our taste of music, 
you're more than welcome to, to, to be part of our social media and our live streams and all that stuff. And, you know, we'll, we'll convert you later on, but in the meantime, you know, just be part of our community. You know? I've noticed that cause I only bought uh, your coffee just a couple of weeks ago. And I noticed just from following on Instagram that, yeah, you're doing like zooms like weekly and you got like, um, even like a coffee club and you're very interactive and I thought that was, cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, I guess you're a company only being around uh, for a year. It seems like you got like, I thought it might've been around longer cause you've got, um, like a, it seems like a big line of coffee and then you've got, uh, even tea and, uh, uh-huh. Yeah, we, we I mean I had a had a pretty clear vision on it, you know. It was uh we, we knew we knew exactly what we wanted to do and um we're pretty lucky with that, you know. Um I also think that like if you have a, a music hustle, uh if you you've survived the music business, you could take that hustle into any other area and and really exceed, you know, especially in New York, you know. So, so I think that, I think that helped helped contribute that, you know. Um, how did you come up with all the different like names and uh stuff? I think that's kind of creative with they're all cat uh names uh, like catapult and uh uh claw, like iron claw and stuff. Yeah, Is that all you? Um me and my wife. Yeah. Um Yeah, iron iron claw is a bit easier because cat fight you know, fighting Iron Claw. That was the first one, and then and that was easy. And it was like, oh, coming up these names is easy. And then we had to come up with the second one. I was like, ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that that it became a little bit harder. But yeah, that that that's me and my wife. You know, and actually one of our um, one of our uh, w- one of the people in our crew. I hate saying customers, but but one of our customers uh, came came up with Declawed. Like we were just on a live stream, and they said. Uh, we said something about a decaf and it was like, Oh, if you have a decaf, it's gotta be called declawed. And it was like, Oh, exactly. That makes all the sense <laughs> in the world. Um, I even, uh, even like the, a packaging and how the one, it has like a little puzzle on the back. Yeah. Thank is that you. like another uh, thing of yours or is that just from the community? Oh, that's uh, a little of both. Um, you know, to me, um, I don't know, like, like I, I love like old 80s cereal boxes and Mad Magazine and and stuff like that. And they always had puzzles on the back or old boxes of Cracker Jack, you know. <laughs> and um, interestingly, they were more they, they were very interactive. You know what I mean? Um, and it's funny because we think of things as being interactive as digital these days. But this is a, a analog way for the product to be interactive, to have some fun. I feel like, you know, a lot of the um, stereotypes of the coffee industry is that people are extremely pretentious, and that's true. So I felt like if we, you know, put something kind of fun, like a puzzle on the back of the bag, it kind of make people smile instead of making them feel like, you know, they're dumb because they don't know the difference between uh, Arabica and R- Robusta beans. Like, you don't have to know all that stuff. We we do all the vetting. We make it easy. So, yeah, that was kind of the, the idea with the puzzle. That was part of the thought. But some of them ha- have been suggestions from our crew. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, 
I guess going along with the different uh, names and stuff, like what uh, is the Tura uh, Sadana? Uh-huh. All of them uh, are like cats, but then that one kind of stood out. Well, yeah. Um, and Chris Nielsen, are the artist who does a lot of the artwork for us, he, he's come up with a lot of puzzles too, and he's he's awesome. He's a great guy. Uh, so I got to make sure I give him props. But uh, Tura Satana is actually an actress. Um who not a lot of people know, and we really felt like we wanted to bring awareness to. So, it, do you listen to uh, White Zombie? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that quote where, where in uh, Thunderkiss where it says, "I never try anything; I just do it." That's Tura. Um, and then they also quote her in another song, which which I forget right now. Tura's story is like so amazing. She was like kind of the original black leather clad bangs like 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 the bang haircut with the the shoe polish black hair and the mole uh the, the the painted on mole although hers was real um and yeah she 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 was kind of the original badass bad girl black haired you know i'm, I'm sure if she was around now she would have had a, a lot of tattoos but her story is insane she she came from uh, uh i believe filipino and japanese descent they left uh, Asia, came to America in the 40s, and were immediately put into a concentration camp oh, wow. in California because that's what we did with Asian people uh, during World War II. Once uh, World War II was over, her family moved to Chicago. They got to Chicago, and her dad you know, was an immigrant, so they lived in a rough part of town. And one night, Tura got raped by a bunch of guys, and... She came home and her dad taught her jujitsu and karate and was like, all right, like, here's what you're going to do. You're going to kick, you're, you're going to have revenge on these guys. Taught, taught her karate, taught her jujitsu. And, uh, and one by one, she went and extracted her revenge on all these dudes. When she got done that, she moved to Hollywood and started dating Elvis and, uh, and I forget who else. And that's where her film career started. So, She's known for the movie Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. That's her 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 big movie. Oh, okay, because yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, the white zombie thing. They like reference like that movie like a lot, and even um, what the. I think that actually gets referenced a lot in just like rock music in general. Oh yeah, yeah. That that movie gets sampled heavily, heavily. But yeah, that's she. She was the main Russ Myers chick. Wow, that's like a badass story. I gotta right. Yeah. That's like that's that's like how superheroes are are born, you know. Yeah, damn. They go through this rough upbringing, and then they're beat up by this gang, and then they extract their revenge, and they become a superhero, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and Tura Satana is her real name. Hmm. It sound it sounds like a superhero-y name too, right? Yeah. Dang. Well. Um, that's a cool tribute with your uh, coffee line. Thank there. you. Thanks. Yeah. Um, oh, man, that kind of blew my mind. Right? So, <laughs> I don't know where to go from here, but I guess I'll ask you, too. Um, what um, to you uh, makes uh, the perfect cup of coffee, or how do you uh, put that together? Well, I, I think that we make that easy for everybody uh, by getting – fresh roasted coffee to people as quickly as we can. So I, we don't like to have anything sitting on the shelf for more than two weeks, which 
coffee's good for three to six months, if not a year. Technically, it never spoils or goes bad. It just goes more stale. Hmm. Um, but so like if you go to Whole Foods and you get a, a really good bag of coffee, if you look on it, it might be three months old. And uh, with us, uh, if you order directly from us, it's never more than two weeks old. And we try to ship the same day that you place the order. So that's the first part of it. Uh, but I usually like uh, – I, I like to make pour-overs or French presses, you know? Hmm. I haven't gotten that far. I just have, like, the drip. Uh, yeah, then that's, then that's all you need, man, you know? Like, wh- whatever, whatever you need. But, you know, you start getting into the fancier stuff, and you'll notice the nuances. Um, I didn't know if it would be like for the best way to make a pot of coffee was if it was the grounds or the whole beans or it. Yeah, it's always uh, it's always a little bit better when you when you grind it yourself at home, and uh, in theory you want to get what's called a burr grinder rather than a blade grinder, but you know either way. I guess like what you're saying though the ground, or um. Or the whole beans would be the best because it's not sitting as long, like you were just saying, like the turnaround time. Yeah. Well, yeah. Th- when you grind the coffee, it starts to oxidize uh, more quickly. So that's the reason. But, hmm. yeah. But chances are, though, if you, if you, when you get coffee from us, it's, uh, even if it's ground, it's only about two weeks old. And it's going to be so yummy, you're going to go through that bag pretty quick. So. Yeah, I already did. And then uh, I even <laughs> brought it to work. And there's a couple guys in my department who are uh, they kind of I I wouldn't say they're like enthusiasts, but they know more than I do. So I was like, hey, man, you should try this. And then they would make a pot and bring it back the next day. And uh, I think I got them hooked on the uh, on the Alice Cooper one. Oh, nice. Well, so, thank you for that. Yeah. And uh, I guess that leads me to the Alice Cooper coffee, too. Like, how did you? Uh, come up with that kind of like uh, brand or um, to be part of your um, catfight line? Well, um, everything that, that we do is officially licensed. So uh, for me, it was uh, really a, a simple way of of honoring somebody that I just think the world of, you know what I mean? And, you know, we, we only do uh, – licenses on coffees with brands or companies or people that we like so uh so yeah chances are you won't see like an avril lavigne coffee coming out from cat fight <laughs> um nothing against her but you know we wouldn't do that um you know you probably won't see a uh uh brad pitt coffee from cat fight either you know so um yeah, it's uh, the Alice. The way Alice came about was, you know, I, I've just been a massive fan forever, and he, I think he did a, a chocolate milk uh, not long ago. And when I saw he did a chocolate milk, I was like, well, he's got to do a coffee, you know. So uh, yeah, so you know, obviously I've toured with him a bunch, and uh, no Calico, his daughter, and and the whole gang, and no Ryan, the guitar player, and you know, the 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 day. Uh, in fact, the day uh, the show that, that I was going to do at the forum uh, sold out, I was having dinner with those guys, and I got news the show sold out. And I was like, dude, we just sold out the forum. I was, I was with, with the band, so that was pretty cool. Oh, awesome. 
so how did you get uh, that? Um, how did you f- uh, find the uh, bean that you're uh, using for that? Or how did you choose that to go along with Cooper? You know, a, a lot of times um, we like to include the people that are involved. But in this case, we, we got the green light to, uh, to, of, of trust. So the coffee that we used for Alice, um, man, our vetting process is really, really, uh, really tough. Like we, we don't put out coffees we don't like. It's that simple. Like, you know, like I, I don't want to do a banana daiquiri flavored coffee because uh, <laughs> that just wouldn't be me. Um, and I don't want to do anything that, uh, like I said, man, it just, we, we tried, God, probably 20 different coffees before we arrived at the one that we have. Um, and just being completely honest with you, it's a really expensive, uh, bean. It's a very expensive coffee. The Burundi double a double a, um, refers to the size of the bean. So it, it really speaks that it's a very robust, um, coffee and we didn't go cheap with it. Um, yeah, yeah. We want, it's a very expensive coffee. And we still have to pay uh, a royalty to Alice. But none of that matters. Like to us, it doesn't matter if you get that bag of coffee and you're like, oh, this packaging is great. This looks really cool. And then you make a cup and you're like, meh, well, that's all right. That's okay. Well, that's not us. That that's 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 stupid. Because truthfully, we want you to become catfight customers as well. You know what I mean? So... Yeah, so that's that's how we arrived at it. We just tried, uh, tried about twenty till we arrived at one that we liked. Huh? Because yeah, because it's kind of cool that you had mentioned that that's an African one, and yes. then like the Cleopatra was like Mexican. So it's not just yeah one specific like bean. You you've got each each line has its own like flavor and different beans. Oh yeah, yeah, and the and we even have relationships with some of the estates. So the Mexican coffee. Um, we've gone there and we've visited the farmers and we've been on the plantations and we've been to the, the mills, the same with our, our, uh, Bali coffees too. I noticed that cause yeah, like your, your website has like a blog and, uh, so yeah, I checked that out and I thought it was cool that you did actually go to the farm. So it's like, like you mentioned your uh, vetting process. You're like, yeah, uh, really hands on with that. Yeah, we can't go to all of them, unfortunately, just because you'd need like an around the world ticket. And, you know, someplace like Ethiopia, they've got a like, civil war going on right now. Colombia right now has got like a, like a, a big civil unrest, too. So uh, so sometimes you can't go everywhere, you know. <laughs> or I guess with the travel restrictions and stuff that's been going on. Then there's on that. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So you said you're like a Alice Cooper fan and obviously... Uh, you've like toured the globe and been in a lot of bands, but when did you, um, I guess, pick up a guitar? Like what got you into that? I mean, Alice Cooper wasn't the thing, but it was one of the things, you know? Um, well, actually it's, it's kind of a funny story here. I mean, when I was a kid, I was in the church choir (laughs) and, uh, I didn't like it. (laughs) Um, but our church did what's called the Passion Play, which is like this reenactment of the stations, stations of the cross and the crucifixion of of Jesus. And they did a really good job. Like there's a lot of fake blood. Like they 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 whip Jesus as he's you know carrying the cross, and he's got like fake skin on. And then they put this uh, 
this crown of thorns on him and there's a diaphragm behind him that he squeezes to make the blood come out and all, all the all the the simple tricks of of uh how to use fake blood they used and i i thought that that was cool and then i saw alice cooper uh on the raise your fist and yell tour and um i didn't know what to expect but i i saw that he was doing the same thing like wow he's hanging himself and he's chopping his head off and he's still coming back. And I was I, I connected the two somehow in my in my teenage brain, uh, much to my mom's dismay. She wasn't too thrilled about that. But it sounds like, yeah, like if you uh, kind of covered your ears and you kind of tuned out the music somehow, it sounds like, the, like both of the stage productions are the same. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's awesome that now, like if. Alice Cooper was like a huge influence that you've got like a coffee, um, I guess yeah. with your hero, right? Yeah, man, that's yeah. awesome. And, and, and I'm so stoked that he, he's going to be touring this too. So hopefully we can do some tie-ins. I hope. Oh, wow. I noticed too, like, uh, you played in, uh, dope, uh, too. And you were, uh, both on bass and guitar. Like, how mm-hmm. was that? Like, how'd you get hooked up with those guys back then? That was the uh, the first band that, that that I was ever in that had a record deal. So we, uh, you know, um, Dope was a local band, and I was in a local band, and uh, you know, we were always kind of keeping doing shows together and stuff like that. And uh, my band was going nowhere, and their band got a record deal. Once they got their record deal, they they figured out that the guitar player they had wasn't working. Um, but the bass player was, was, was a good guitar player. So while they were recording the record, the bass player started playing the guitar parts cause the guitar player wasn't very good. And they called me up and they're like, Hey, you know, you've always been a friend. Like, why don't you, uh, this is the short version. Um, <laughs> and, uh, they're like, you know, we, we need somebody you down. And that was it. So I, I joined on, uh, on bass. And then as we started working on the second record history repeated itself and the guitar player was gone so i started playing guitar on the record and and that's that's how i switched to guitar seems kind of like happenstance or something just a good, good totally yeah oh awesome uh so do you have any like uh a favorite like songs that you recorded with those guys with dope yeah uh now or never um because that was one of the ones that I wrote, so I was I, I was pretty excited about that. So, yeah, that that one, you know, that's one of my favorites. But I do think that the band has gone on to write some some better songs. But that's one of my favorites. I was actually like, I got into those guys back in the day through a whole bunch of like uh, samplers or something from Concrete Marketing, and I hadn't listened to them <laughs> in um, years. So. Uh, like all the like listening to like I was listening to that life album that second one and yeah, it took yeah. me back to I was a teenager around then when that stuff came out so it's kind of nostalgic that, but it's it's so funny you bring that up because I was just telling uh, a friend of mine that I was recording some guitars with before before the, the reason why I was late for for this interview and I, I used to work for concrete marketing oh really yeah oh, yeah cool. yeah that that's what I think that's where um you know like I was saying that music hustle uh that you get and especially living in New York um you know yeah I mean I I 
even even when I quote unquote made it or was in a band that had a record deal, dude, there's times where you have downtime and it's between tours and and there, there's no money coming in at that moment. And I would work for concrete marketing. I worked, uh, God, I forget. I think I worked the Life is Peachy record. I worked Slipknot records, Rob Zombie records, Black Sabbath records. God, you name it. And I, and I, and I probably worked uh, a marketing campaign for, for one of those bands. And uh, so for me, back to the coffee thing, it's like always having a foot in a day job has, has always been something that I've done. But it's always been on my terms. It's always been something I like, which I'm very lucky about. Um, but, you know, something like concrete, those guys didn't see the writing on the walls for the digital downloads. And you can't you can't digitally download a cup of coffee yet. So <laughs> um, you mentioned you made like ad campaigns for those out. What did that what did that like entail? Were you like involved in the artwork or actually promoting through like. A radio or, or what um, so, so so it was ba- it was I wasn't involved in the artwork I was involved in the uh, the retail marketing so basically what that would mean is uh, you know so let's take corn for example corn uh, have a new album coming out and they really want to make sure it gets a good push for anybody who who hears this and doesn't know what concrete marketing was concrete marketing was a heavy metal and punk independent marketing company. So usually if you were signed to a record company like Epic, you had your own in-house marketing team, but Epic does a lot of different bands. They would do Elton John, they would do Billy Joel and they would do dope and they would do corn, you know? And so if it felt like something that needed a little bit of an extra push, they would hire a company that's outside of the company who maybe had their feet on the ground a bit more like concrete and so basically i had i was a a northeast sales rep i i actually i kind of filled into whatever region needed to be filled in because i was coming and going a lot but i would basically call the record stores make sure that they had an in-play copy of the record make sure that they had a poster make sure that they had stock if the band was coming around on tour and if it was like one of the better record stores um I would try to get them tickets or backstage passes to meet the band, basically promoting the record at the to to retail and retailers. Oh, um, awesome! Because that's kind of was I guess my uh, familiarity with Concrete was because at that time, like the early two thousands, like I had a buddy at a record store, and yeah. every time I'd come in and buy something, he'd be like hey, here's a new Concrete sampler. So that's how I kind of yes. came across different bands. Was that like the 12 track or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's it. That that was exactly it. And making sure boxes of those samplers got out. Or some bands, if they had a bigger budget, like Corn or Dope or somebody like that, they would the, the box that your friend would get would have a bunch of posters, maybe a signed 8x10, maybe some guitar picks. Anything that we could get them to do so that like when a kid would come into the store and be like, hey, man, like what what's a good heavy metal record? Something that would keep in that person's mind that like, hey, man, like I just got an eight by 10 from Rob Zombie. Oh, the new Rob Zombie records out, you know, something like that. Oh, oh, awesome. Cool. 
it's kind of cool, like, I guess how, like, I just, like, mentioned that, and you were already, like, tied into that. It's kind of like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I don't want to keep you, like, too long, AC, because uh, I know that you're, like, uh, super uh, busy and hands-on with your uh, coffee company, but I got one last I thought was kind of in the same uh, realm as, like, I don't know, like, a kind of a cool coincidence is like, okay. Um, I kind of got into like podcasting. Um, I was like apprehensive cause I'm like shy usually. And especially like talking to you who I've never met. I'm like super shy and like almost kind of like, it's kind of nerve wracking like to prepare for this, but mm-hmm. you had made a post today that I thought was so awesome. And you said, don't let fear hold you back today. And I guess I just kind of thought that was like, wow, that's kind of a cool coincidence because I'm kind of like apprehensive about talking to people. That's awesome, man. Th- thank you very much. I feel like, uh, especially on social media, it's it's, it's certainly uh, a place where it can feel like a popularity contest and it can feel like, you know, like, you know, God, I've only got 500 followers. How will I ever, like, like you could easily look at Joe Rogan and be like, how the fuck am I ever going to get to be as big as Joe Rogan, you know, and you could have somebody at your work be like, dude, I listen to your podcast. It's fucking dumb, you know? <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden it just, you know, it, it, it's easy to give into that. It's easy to play into it. And I feel like if I have a platform that can motivate people rather than make them feel like shit about themselves, then, then I should do that. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure, man. So um, thank you yeah. for saying that. That's nice to hear. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for talking to me, and I guess thank you for uh, kind of making me uh, more willing to try other kinds of coffee because I'm kind of a beginner, and I even uh, – I guess I wasn't sure at first if I just uh, like drinking coffee with creamer or I would just like creamer. But with yours, I was like, I actually want to uh, make it like black, I guess, and like try all the flavors and stuff. So Nice. Yeah, that's the biggest compliment we get is some people will be like, like uh, I don't like we'll, we'll we'll be vending at an event and uh, and we'll be giving out samples and someone will go uh, go oh can I put milk and sugar in the sample it's like well it's a sample cup it's only two ounces we'll take a sip and they'll be like oh my god I don't even need milk or sugar with this this is amazing <laughs> I was starting to feel the same way I'm like oh man like I think I'm just addicted to that but. Um, I think I'm ready to try more too, even go darker. Cause isn't it like, I guess, um, what is the difference between the medium and the dark? Does it kind of have more caffeine or less or? Well, that's the biggest misconception in the, in coffee is that the darker the coffee, the, um, more caffeine it has. It's actually the opposite. The longer you roast it, the more caffeine comes out. Um, but what some companies do is like mentally, there's this thing about like something being darker, it being heavier, it being more aggressive or whatever. So what they'll do is they'll do one of two things or both. Um, there's two different, they'll they'll use like the, the sheer the coffee bean is the, the lower the quality, the more caffeine it has. So they'll use those and then they roast it so dark that you can't really taste the nuances. Um, or they'll add it with chemicals. So really the lighter, but you're talking just straight 
really good coffee, the lighter the roast, the more caffeine it has. Oh, so it's like the inverse, the lighter. Yes. Yes. Okay. But 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 there's a lot of companies out there that are like, we have the darkest coffee with most caffeine. It's like, well, both those things may be true, but it doesn't have more caffeine because it's dark. It you you very well may have ate, added that caffeine with chemicals. So. Oh, so it's not as natural then. Exactly. Oh. Well, thank you, AC, yep. for uh, learn taking... something every day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you um, for uh, chatting with me and, like, I guess, giving me some insight on coffee and your backstory and even uh, even concrete marketing, too. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Well, the pleasure was all mine. We got to talk about my favorite subject, me. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you, AC. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you. Caffeine! Caffeine! Caffeine!